I'm Zachary Cartwright. This is Water and Food. Earlier today, I had the chance to meet with Melissa Copel, who owns Melissa Copel Chocolate and Pastry School in Las Vegas, Nevada. We talked a little bit about how she uses water activity in her curriculum to show her students that making chocolates is not all about making a delicious product, but also using water activity can help them think about things like shelf life and moisture migration. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to Water and Food. Thanks for being here today. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. Of course. Well, uh, we're here today to talk about your school, and, and I just want you to introduce your school and what it is and, and how long you've been doing this. So um, I have a Melissa Coppola Chocolate and Pastry School for the last six years. We're located in Las Vegas. And um, yeah, it's uh, we dedicate ourselves to short-term uh, classes, uh, mostly on chocolate. Uh, we do offer some pastry classes as well, but it, we are mostly a chocolate school. And what type of students are enrolling in your school? Are these food science students or, or returning students or, or people who are, are recently interested in, in making chocolate and pastries? What type of students do you have? So I have to say that it's a, a little bit of a before and after. So before the pandemic, it was mostly professionals wanting to perfection the craft. Um, then when the pandemic hit, uh, we actually uh, converted 100% uh, to an online school. And uh, and in there is in that pr precise time, uh, I started realizing that there was just a lot of people that wanted to change careers that were so interested in, in you know, learn the art of, of chocolate. Um, so, and I think now that it's a little bit, you know, after the pandemic that we can return a little bit to uh, having some hands-on sessions uh, that I see that there's a little bit of a mix. So mm -hmm. um, our school is, unique that way. We're very inclusive and I welcome everyone with the desire to learn. So um, we don't really require uh, previous training or anything, but I do see the change uh, before and after the pandemic. So I think mm -hmm. right now it's very diverse. And it's my understanding that when you start a, a new class or you have students that you make it very clear that uh, everyone there is equal, that you're all on the same page and, and there for the same goal. And I was hoping that you could dive into that a little bit deeper and, and the approach that you take to teaching your classes. So I think it's a combination of two things. One thing is having good memory uh, to where I didn't know anything I really wanted to learn. Um, so I never forget that. Uh, that's first. And then second, I remember also having memory on the classes I took in the past where uh, first day of school is nerve-wracking. You think that because you're an adult, you are over that. And and it's just little kids going to first day of kindergarten, their stress or first day of, of, of first grade. Uh, but actually, it's the same with adults. So for me, uh, I like to you know, welcome students to the school and really make them feel comfortable. Uh, and I have a speech that I give in every single class the first day where I let them know that first of all, I don't care their level, uh, their expertise, uh, that everybody is the same here, that uh, I ask everyone to leave their egos a little bit outside the door, uh, that they're not welcome here. Um, and that way everybody kind of relaxes. I can I can immediately see their faces changing uh, when I give the speech. And I also believe that if uh, they don't feel comfortable, real learning doesn't really happen. So after the speech, everybody relaxes. I 
let them know that there's no silly questions, that I don't mind if they're making um, something in, you know, molding a, a, a mold and the mold, you know, fails in the machine or uh, or in the floor, um, that uh, this is not the type of school where I'm going to be judging their skills. Um, and everybody really appreciates that and uh, they become friends. The real networking also really happens um, and it's a very relaxed. And that being said, uh, not to be confused with not being professional. We keep the ambience and the, the style very professional, uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, very inclusive. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure your students really appreciate that. And, and I like that you said, you know, we're basically just bigger kids. You know, we never really stop being kids. And I think it's really helpful if you kind of set the foundation like that. And, and I'm sure that your students uh, appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Where did your passion for making chocolates and, and pastries come from? Is this something that you've always been interested in? So when I graduated from uh, school, uh, my mom, I was actually a terrible student. So when I graduated, my mom actually was the one that told me that what she saw in me was the only thing that I liked really was to actually cook. So she was the one that suggested I should pursue something uh, food related. Uh, but in my town, I'm from Colombia and I'm from a small town um, and there was no pastry uh, or actually at that point I wanted to be a chef. So mm -hmm. this, let's say like the passion for being in the kitchen has been always been there with me. Um, over the years, I realized at first I tried to pursue a little bit more cooking. Then I realized I'm a vegetarian. I was not never going to be able to like, you know, cut a pig in two or kill a lobster. So I start kind of feeling out of, out of place. Uh, and then I realized how precise pastry was and how clean and how the ingredients were nicer to work with. You know, you cannot compare chocolate with onions. And I kind of like start sensing that it was, uh, it was just, yeah, it was just a sense. Um, so that I was really young at that point, maybe 18 or 19 mm -hmm. years old. Um, and then the passion for chocolate really happens. I don't believe in coincidence. Um, I was, uh, I work at a restaurant here in town, uh, the the best restaurant in town and one of the best in the country, which is uh, Joël Robuchon. And, uh, and being in there, um, you know, it was like I was, I, I pushed it really hard um, for two years. And I was at certain point at the end of the two years uh, in charge of the station on of, of L'Atelier. And after I, you know, I got pregnant and I had to quit my job. And when I tried to return to the industry, it was when the really big, um, you know, collapse of the of the the whole economy happened which was in 2009 or so so when i wanted to return to my uh career there was no jobs available so the only one that i could find was doing chocolate decorations at another casino so i would say chocolate found me i didn't really mm -hmm. was looking for it um i don't have that dreamy story of since i was a little girl i wanted to work with chocolate i think that it was just a little bit of um you know that that was kind of like the path i have to to have and was there a, a specific moment that you can remember that, you know, you went from thinking about production or, or working in a restaurant to switching to instruction? Was there something that inspired you and, and you realized that, you know, deep down you really are a teacher and, and that this is what you're supposed to be doing? So I think that that would 
that uh, was actually once again a little bit of a uh, something that happened by I was actually in the process of of I had a business partner for a while and we were going through some legal issues uh, when I decided to leave that company where mm-hmm. um, you know things needed to be a little bit more clear between us and uh, I was kind of like waiting to see what you know like with the non compete and that um, that I had a I actually opened a little uh, space. And uh, that I call Atelier Melissa Coppel, which it was just a tiny kitchen with everything I needed, but that I wasn't really sure what to do with my time yet because I couldn't start selling because of this. Um, and then I said, well, you know, I, I love to share. I taught a few classes before, very few, two maybe or three. Um, mm-hmm. And I loved it. Uh, so it was kind of like it was just this precise moment where I say, well, I can I cannot make chocolates to sell yet. Uh what am I going to do with my time? I'm not going to stay home. I have this beautiful kitchen. Why not just trying to teach? And I literally, it was like a midnight post on Instagram where I posted and I say, I'm going to be teaching this class in a month or so. Uh, whoever mm-hmm. is interested, just email me uh, or, or write me a message here on Instagram. And and that was actually how the, the, the school was born. And it was very casual and quite funny because mm-hmm. I didn't have a, a website. So I had a website, but it was not like a website where you could pay. It was just a portfolio. So it was very funny because people would email me and I say, well, give me a call and I charge you. You give me your credit card. Um, and it was very, you know, like funny that way. And uh, and then if mm-hmm. people would like email my address, it didn't show a school, it showed a pain clinic. So it was just really funny how people really trust me. And, and there was a lot of interest and a lot of people really wanting to see my work and learning from me. So I said, well, I'm in, enjoying it a lot. I'm, I'm loving it. And, and it seems people are interested in what I do. So it also happened a little bit like that by. Mm-hmm. And, and what year did your school start? So it's been six years. Uh, mm-hmm. So you do the math. I, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's been yeah. This year in April uh, was mm-hmm. six years. So the first I year see. was in a small school, um, and then after a year, I moved to where I am right now. So it's been six years. Mm-hmm. And what does the curriculum for your school look like? How, how do you put together that curriculum, and and what things are included in it? So actually, right now, it's very, very interesting what's happening right now, because it's a completely shift and transition. I think that uh, the pandemic proved that doesn't matter if something is working, uh, that doesn't mean it's going to work for more than six months or a year. Right. Mm-hmm. So people that kind of get stuck with a business model, and I don't know anything about business, don't even you know, get me wrong. I just noticed uh, that the trends and the world is at a such fast pace that mm. you have to constantly be uh, kind of like, I think that the world is for open-minded people, to be honest. I feel really bad for those that uh, aren't open-minded because it's tough. Uh, even me that I'm very open-minded, I'm like, wow, you know, so uh, where I'm going with this is I were I was a, hon- a completely hands-on school. Then the pandemic happened, and I became a 100% online school. Now I have kind of like a hybrid where you can search um, on my website, and you might see some online live classes, meaning people connect with me in real time or with other guest chefs that I invite. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's also hands-on classes, and there's a third one which is called on-demand. So you search on-demand, and you see oh this you know this class about caramels 
sounds great. You pay for it and you get it. You get immediate access. There's also subscriptions. Um, and now I'm actually super excited to to launch the, the new project, which is a chocolatier, uh, like a basic chocolatier program that is going to be um, online. So people will complete in three months a series of tasks. And there's all kinds of, you know, um, theory and videos and a lot of support. And um, so that's the new, the new um, let's say, uh, so... It's a little bit for everyone, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think that the the beauty of this is a lot of people cannot afford coming to take my classes for time, for money, mm-hmm. for visas. Um, so it's uh, I think that there's so many people out there that want to learn and cannot learn it in the you know in the hands-on way. So we have a little bit for everyone. And do you have any idea of, of the number of students that you've been able to, to serve so far? Do you have any, oh any idea God. what that number looks like? So hands-on, I have no idea. I actually never mm-hmm. really, but uh, besides every single person that has stepped into my school, uh, before the pandemic, every month I would uh, teach to a different country around the world. Um, mm-hmm. So those were like many countries, many people. Then hands-on in the school, I never actually like uh have counted i know that during the pandemic uh, over a thousand people for sure um i think between a thousand and two thousand people i was i was able to reach um my classes are not cheap uh at all and um Mm. i know that there are many many people that want to take them but simply cannot afford it i just have this debate and it's a mental debate i my family Mm. calls me mother Teresa uh because i really cannot hear a story of someone that needs and someone that, you know, requires help, even if I don't know them. I, I always want mm-hmm. to help everyone. So that part of me wants to like teach for free, to, to be honest. Right. Like, and that's my mm-hmm. final goal. Like eventually I will have some sort of foundation or something where I will be able to teach for free. Um, unfortunately, I have employees and expenses and the real world happens, right? Um, right. But I also am aware, a part of me is really aware of that people that don't pay, you know, for something, they don't, you know, appreciate it. So mm-hmm. going cheap means even people starting to doubt my work. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, wow, this is cheap. Um, maybe she doesn't know what she's doing or maybe she's desperate or maybe. So, you know, and I always do this relation between a product that you buy. So if you buy a pair of shoes that cost you $500, if something happened to them, you die you are the ones that you think are the prettiest even if they're not uh is the ones that you really care for um and then the other pair that you pay 30 dollars and you bought them at like you know this uh shop and i don't know marshall's or something and they were mm-hmm. you know it's good good type of shoes but they're just you pay very little for them you don't really care if they get lost or they get damaged uh? and it's the perception we give value uh to things like that so I've never been a big fan of 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 giving my work uh, mm-hmm. for nothing. Also, because you have to understand that when you enter a class of mine, everything I know, I will give it to you. It's not uh, that, oh, you're going to ask me a question about a topic that we're not covering and I'm not going to answer you because you need to register for the next class. I'm not that way. So mm-hmm. pretty much once you're in and you're part of the family, everything I know, I will give to you. So I have to protect myself that way. Mm-hmm. And, and that's fair. I think there's a balance. And, and you ha- like you said, you have employees and it, it's a school and it, it takes money to run that school. But uh, I, I suffer from the same syndrome and sometimes having a, a big heart can uh, oh, be tough, you know. So totally. I, I definitely understand. 
Um, it's my understanding that in your curriculum, you always bring up water activity in your classes and, and you teach your students about what water activity is. What, why is this important for your students to understand? So, Zachary, this is the craziest thing I think I've seen in the profession um, because 99.9% .9 of the students that come to my school, they either have a shop and many mm -hmm. of them for many years and some of them are about to open a shop. And a lot of them have, haven't even heard about the concept. So maybe some have and actually wrong because they think that water activity means the total water content of a recipe. So mm -hmm. uh, for me, it's safety overall, you know, and uh, curiosity. So like, how can you not, you know, in a way care of a product that like, or, or a concept that it's so tightly, uh, it's just, for me, it's crazy. How can you make a bonbon? and uh, with a filling and then sell it without knowing for how long that bomber is gonna be stable. Um, mm -hmm. And I understand that it's not really out there and they don't teach it at schools. They don't, I mean, I went to, uh, you know, a, a six month uh, worth of, uh, in the US, a program of pastry school. No one ever mentioned this. Uh, yes, it was like 12 years ago or something, but it doesn't matter. So, it's a little bit of lack, of lack of knowledge, but I also think it's almost like covering your eyes a little bit over something because even if nothing, no one talks about it and they didn't tell you at school, it's kind of like, wait, but if you buy anything at the supermarket, there's always an expiration date on it, right? Mm -hmm. So how come if they don't taught you that at school, you never thought about that, right? So it's a little strange, right? It's a little bit strange. Um, that being said, I find it, extremely important. There's not a recipe that leaves this school without that measurement being taken. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, if it's a pastry class, no, mousses and things like that, uh, we don't. I don't teach that, but when chefs comes in, they come in, I don't. Uh, but every single recipe, on demand, online, live, hands-on, it doesn't matter what it is, marshmallow, compote, uh, fat-based filling, ganache, uh, will always have uh, that measurement and then the chart on the back telling them this number means this amount of days. Um, and I also think a second part of that, it's that sometimes whoever teaches the concept teaches it with very complicated words, and I'm not a mm -hmm. fan of that. So for me, one of the things that make the school also special is I talk in a very simple language. And I'm going to mm -hmm. tell you right now how I, how I explain it. So basically, uh, you know, you say AW. First of all, they don't know what that, you know, Two letters are right a w sure. so, okay activity of the water okay what that means uh, i then explain the difference between you know having the amount of water and i just say let's say that you have magical powers and you have the capacity of taking every gram of water in your recipe so from the water in you know inverted sugar glucose syrup butter cream fruit puree or whatever so once you have with that magic wand you take all those little grams of water and you you can actually put them in a bowl and measure them that's the amount of the total water of of your recipe but then to explain what really means activity of the water i picture them always that they have a bowl with the water from the recipe and they have a very clean sponge. <laughs> I have to say clean <laughs> uh, because I'm very visual. So I'm envisioning the, the sponge. I want it to be clean, 
brand new actually. So you grab that sponge and you, you know, grab it with your hand and you just like tie it, tie it, tie it, put it inside of that bowl. And uh, suddenly that sponge is, you know, really soaked with water. And then you lift that sponge and you look on the bottom of the bowl to see if there's water. And there is a little bit of water there. So mm -hmm. that's the free water, right? Uh, what happened? What is that sponge? It's very easy. It's the structure. Um, and how you get that structure? You know, because you have a balanced recipe uh, between the sugars and the proteins, you found you, you, you are able to create the structure. So the water is really tight within the structure and it's not free for bacteria, right, to feed on. Mm -hmm. um, and then the little bit that remaining in the, the bowl is the trouble water. You know, water is life. So there's going to be issues with that water that it's not bonded. Um, mm -hmm. And I think with this, it's a very simple explanation. It takes me, what, 45 seconds. But suddenly, mm -hmm. they kind of get it. And what is this machine measuring, you know, with atmospheric pressure and so on? It's the water that it's, you know, uh, free for bacteria to feed on. And, and so I think that that little simple explanation, everybody can understand, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to, you know, uh, and then they start understanding the importance of getting the AW meter or at least testing their ganache recipes in labs. That's another option. So. I, I love that explanation. I, I think it's great. And uh, I'm probably going to steal it, to be honest, Melissa. Oh my so God, go for it. It is it's great. Yes, it's I, great I love it. It's great because and... it's simple and it's kind of mm -hmm. like, I, I don't know, I guess, um, I am very visual. Anything that you, mm -hmm. you're telling me, I'm creating the story in my head. I'm like picturing right. it, right? So when mm -hmm. things have examples that are so clear, for me, it's like, oh, now I understand what you're telling me versus something mm -hmm. that it's very hypothetical. It's just like, oh God, like, I don't even know what you're saying, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that actually makes me a good teacher because I talk in a language it's just everybody can understand. I don't use French terms besides two, chablon and frassage. I, that's all the French I might use in a class, even though mm -hmm. I know all the terms, but is it really necessary to start bringing French if we're speaking in English? Um, I don't want anyone to feel bad because they don't understand these terms. Um, right. You know, and, and that's what really means inc inclusivity, like to really bring a coming together and, and, and being in the same, you know, part of the same group. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the reason you and I get along so well is because our, our jobs are similar in that way that I'm trying to take these complicated things and, and present them in a simple way. It doesn't always have to be complicated. You don't know have to know every single detail. And like you, I'm, I'm very visual, so I, I can really appreciate uh, thinking of a sponge or you know whatever the visual is. It always really helps me to understand. And that's part of what I do at Meter is, is help build those visuals or help build those explanations that... Uh, a common person that doesn't necessarily have the the background of water activity can now learn this concept in, in 45 seconds, like, like you said. Right. Amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you liked <laughs> And uh, when did you first learn about water activity? How, how did you find out about it? And uh, what was your first experience with it? So basically, uh, before I uh, owned this, well, I opened the school six years ago. I co-owned a wholesale company here in town. It was me and a French partner, and we were supplying for four years. I was part of the company for four years. Um, we were supplying casinos with uh, casinos at the beginning, and then we were shipping all over uh, the country um, products. Uh, so it was because of of this company uh, that we 
you know, like I first learned, um, I learned the concept before, but like mm -hmm. implying it into a real, you know, production and testing daily every recipe and having a log, um, you know, where we would write every recipe with lot number and AW and so on and who made the recipe, like kind of like the, what you do in big scale um, mm -hmm. was the very first time for me. And uh, it was then when I, you know, uh, came in, you know, across or came into using the machine uh, on a daily basis. So when I moved to the school, uh, at that point, I was like pretty much one of the first things I wanted to buy. So I bought the, the, the small one, the pocket version. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then I started realizing the importance of teaching that to students. So at first I bought it for my own personal usage. Then, as I told you, the, the school kind of happens because life you know, put it that way, wanted it to be that way. Um, right. And then I start in, you know, from the very beginning. And I think over the years, I'm getting better and better at explaining the concept. I think this little story that I told you, I've been saying it for the last year or so before I would explain it a little bit different. Uh, mm -hmm. But then it occurred to me to like really understand it that way, because I kind of I had to find a way to to put it in 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 words that you could picture and it would be easier. And the same exact way has happened to me with my formulas. So mm -hmm. it's super unique because I only teach formulation in the formulation class. I don't teach, for example, right now I'm teaching a four-day class on running a chocolate production. That one is all about being you know, fast and practical and, you know, mm -hmm. simple decorations and flavors that everybody likes and how you pack and ship and send and that part of the kind of like the business part. Um, so I'm not teaching formulation, but it doesn't matter. Like all the recipes has the AW. And then I also explain a little bit of the concepts, why I'm putting things together. Um, so I think the more I go, the more I understand how to formulate having great texture, great taste and great AW, which mm -hmm. I think is, the final goal. If you ask me what is the perfect ganache recipe, I'll tell you the ganache where you could hide the most amount of sugar. That's pretty much it. Like I will just, I don't say anything else. Like people get all complicated about it. It's like, no, no, no. All you're doing when you're formulating a ganache recipe is hiding sugar. And mm -hmm. how you hide it is very easy with bitterness and with acidity. That's it. So a ganache that is very acidic is very easy to have a great taste, texture, and shelf life because you were able to put a lot of sugars and you don't feel it. Um, a very bitter ganache is very easy, like a caramel. Um, but then when you start with ganaches that aren't bitter by nature or, or acidic by nature, then is when it's the expertise comes in place to hide those sugars. So that's kind of have been kind of the journey with the AW meter and and i like that comment that the better you understand water activity the better you start to understand your formulations and a, a part of my job a, a lot of the reason that food scientists or other scientists come to us it's, it's almost always formulation you know they always want the answer and they want to understand how their ingredients are interacting and i think if you start with the basics if you start with water activity then over time you understand your, your formulation better and and how new ingredients are going to affect the final water activity and, and shelf life and all these things. So I, I thought that was a really good point that you brought up. It's actually very funny because, um, you know, for, for during the pandemic, I all I did was teach. So everybody mm -hmm. was kind of locked down, home, a little bit working part-time, not working, whatever, relax, whatever. And it's the time of my life where, where I think I work the most because mm -hmm. we were with a new concept of online classes and every week we would put a new, um, a new program. So it was either teaching or creating the new products for the new program. Um, 
And then I realized after a year and a half that I was so burned out. So I stopped for two months completely to teach because I was, I wanted to retire. I was so tired. Um, mm -hmm. So I kept joking, I'm about to retire. And then with my assistant with Kyoko, she's amazing. She's Japanese. We were um, working really closely on developing new recipes. And the amount of growth in those two months I got from formulation, I think I like not even in like the last five years, because all I did for two months was every day really focus on formulation. So, but then I understood that because I'm very creative and sometimes it's kind of hard to catch me. Like I'm out there and I don't like put it on the table. It's kind of flying, dreaming, you know? So I mm -hmm. said, no, the, the only way this is gonna work if it's I organize myself per flavor. So mm -hmm. I start grabbing one single flavor and thinking how far I can take this flavor. You know, what are the things? and down and but with a with a purpose. The purpose was developing ebooks, so people could print those out, have them in their kitchens and chocolate kitchens mostly or pastry kitchens, and then have like a binder with this recipe. So the only one that it's out right now is the pistachio, and it's very interesting because my formulas before and after these two and a half months or two months um, have changed completely. Completely. Mm -hmm. Now I'm into like making ganaches with really low percentage of chocolate or no chocolate at all, uh, just cocoa butter. And it's just so fascinating what you get from, from this kind of formulation. So there's a never ending point and it's so important to no formulation, no AW and understanding ingredients in general. Well, speaking of formulation, uh, I do have a few products here that, that you sent for us to try. And um, I'd like to start with the, the smaller product. Maybe you <laughs> can course. tell us about it and, and let me know what this is and, and what I can expect from it. So there's two different bars that you have there. Um, those are what I call American style candy bars. It's really, you know, childhood memories at its best. There's two different ones that you have there. There's one that it's called Milky Way My Way. So it's the idea of a Milky Way, even though the flavors are a little bit different. So I'm not using in this one. Um, it's the one that has the hazelnuts on top. You have actually the on the back the the stickers with the. So one is Milky Way, and the other one is the peanut butter. Um, it's a sneaker so it's the one is with hazelnuts and one is with um it's really uh, i think it's a you know really bring it's a tribute to those candy bars that everybody grew especially americans i'm not american i'm colombian but anyways anyhow we do always find uh, a way to get those you know uh american american bars so it's uh, an adult version i would say you know, where mm -hmm. I'm combining the same elements, not necessarily in the same flavor uh, profile. So the Milky Way has a coconut nougat, um, a soft caramel with a little bit of coffee and some janduja, hazelnut janduja. And the other one is more soft, can soft caramel and peanut butter duja and some caramelized peanuts. So very down the childhood memory lane, um, very nostalgic. And then what about these uh, chocolates? I'll, I'll go ahead and try them in a second. I hate to, to chew right into your ear, uh, <laughs> but uh, I also want to show these off as well. So what is the second product that you have sent for us? So that's actually uh, our 12-piece chocolate box. Um, that one combines molded bonbons and uh, as well as enrobed. So I am more, most well known for the molded pieces. Um, and I would say, and it's funny to explain to people that 
aren't in the industry. When my family, for example, say, but why they invite you to Ukraine and, you know, Israel and, you know, Switzerland and Belgium and all these countries? Like they like, they don't understand what's, what's the concept behind the invitation? Like, why am I so special? And mm-hmm. I just, it, it's funny for me to explain that it's just because the way my bombs shine, they're like, mm-hmm. what? You know, no one that has invited me ever has tried my bonbons. They don't even know if if they taste well. Um, it's just the shine. So that's kind mm-hmm. of like my special my, my specialty is uh, how I paint uh, slash uh, the shine that I get onto onto those. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the robe ones, which are the square ones, I really enjoy making them, and I think they have to be at the same level of perfection if you wish than the other ones mm-hmm. um so it's an assorted box of 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 my moments honestly they're, they're so shiny that when i first opened this i thought there was more packaging on it so <laughs> like you're trying to, to remove the the second right. layer of plastic right yeah yeah I, i'm sure that this camera probably doesn't do it justice but uh Actually, actually, yeah. For the shine, you need natural light. Uh, once you, sure. it's, I suffer when when we do the buffet because it's inside, obviously, in the in the school, and it's like it's never the same. Uh, but I have to say something that it's actually quite important for me, and it's that I pay much more attention to the inside, um, mm-hmm. even though it might look, you know, that it's the outside my focus. But I think the outside sure. is what catch people's attention to my work. Uh, mm-hmm. My, uh, and that makes I think. The, the class is also very unique for students because it's same amount of detail on the outside than on the inside, which mm-hmm. it's it's not that easy to to get. Usually, uh, sometimes you know it happens that people focus way too much on the outside. You have these gorgeous cakes, and then you try them, and it's disappointing, or vice versa. So. Uh, it's one thing that I tell students, be very careful if you focus only on the outside because people come one very first time for the shine and the look and the beauty. If it's disappointed, they're never coming back. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to go ahead and, and try one of these while you're here. So I'm going to pick this one. Uh, this and when you one. lift, you see the flavor on the bottom. Oh, I love that. I, I don't know if you can see this here, but yeah, the, ah. there's information about it underneath. I, I love yeah. this packaging. Maybe while I try this, you can uh, tell me a little bit about the packaging and how you came up with these colors and, and the marketing of it. Oh, of course. So actually I didn't do any of that myself. I We hired a, um, a company in uh, Barcelona. Um, they are, it's called So, Z-O-O. Well, Zoo in English, but it's really So in Spanish. Um, and they, uh, they're amazing. They're super, super creative. And uh, when I, you know, hire them to do the branding of the, of this, of actually of, at that point, it was not the branding of the school, the branding of Melissa Coppel Chocolatier. Um, they came out with that packaging and uh, I have four different boxes uh, plus the, the tablets, the little bar, sorry. Um, actually, the inspiration, I loved it because it's uh, it's kind of the lights of Las Vegas uh, mm-hmm. as well as the, the shine of my bombon. So it's kind of like that play on there. Um, mm-hmm. And it's very fem- feminine, the packaging, which at the mm-hmm. beginning, it was funny because I didn't quite like so much that fact. Actually, this one is not too pink, but the other boxes have a little bit more pink in them. And then I start really questioning myself why I'm like trying to be so bold with my with my colors. Even when I painted, you know, it was everything was very bold and black and red. And, mm-hmm. and then I realized, you know, I think it's that part of you that it's very tough to be a woman in the kitchen. And 
pretty much. I'm sure you imagine that. And mm-hmm. and I think that you toughen up in a way that, but it's it's just silly, you know, thinking that because I use a black box, I'm tougher than if I use a pink box, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So they were the ones that convinced me and they're like, Melissa, you're a woman and you should be feminine and your package should set it and should say it. And they're like, hmm, okay. I didn't like at first also the heart because the, I don't know if you saw the sticker, <laughs> but it's an yeah. MC. It's like a kind of like a heart. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. pink and heart. What is this? Too soft. And then they're like, no. And then they have this big explanation about the reason why. And so mm-hmm. I laugh about myself and I'm like, you're right. You know, it's beautiful. Well, I, I love it. The colors kind of remind me of like a, a sunset. Um, yeah. And I like, like the, that the they're kind of different on the front and that it almost transitions to night on the side. So uh, I really like the packaging. As far as the flavor goes, I've, I've never had a chocolate like this. It, it essentially just melted perfectly in my mouth. The, the flavor was spot on. So I, I, I wish everyone listening could try. Um, if there is somebody listening who, who wants to try this, how, how can they get these products? What's the best way to try these? So we, uh, <laughs> that's where the funny part uh, starts. So I'm basically a school. And uh, for now, I'm pretty much always out of stock. I sell very little. And when I do upload some products on the website, they run really fast. Sure. Uh, but that being said, uh, I'm a little kind of like feeling kind of guilty about it because everybody asks me and I'm never, I never have, not even for friends, family, people that come and visit the school. I never have uh, availability because I'm so busy with the school. So uh, I started in at the end of September, once the heat wave leaves, I'm going to start opening a pop-up shop here and uh, in town in Las Vegas. Uh, I haven't decided if it's going to be Fridays or Saturdays. I think it's going to be Fridays uh, afternoon. That being said, I'm going to start producing more bonbons because of the pop-up. So mm-hmm. online, you go to melissacouple.com and uh, you can either buy the bonbons, uh, try to get a box of bonbons, or you can get maybe interested in learning how to make them yourself. Well, I, I feel extremely privileged to, to try these out. So thank you for sending this uh, to us. Thank and, you and so my, much. I really appreciate it. My, my last question for you is, is what's next? What's next for your school? What, what are you looking at doing maybe later this year or five years, 10 years down the road? What, what's what's uh, life look like for you? You know, um, lately, after the pandemic, um, I've been feeling a necessity to connect with people. And that's actually mm-hmm. why I decided to start the pop-up. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like dipping my finger a little bit in what it's going to really feel like producing like a little bit bigger volumes while I still have the school. And depending on how that goes, um, I would open a little shop um, or not. Like I want to test myself first to see Mm -hmm. um, because I have an 11 year old and I also know, you know, the responsibility of having a shop Uh, on the retail part. That's kind of like the idea to test it first to see how I feel and how people react also to my products, you know. Um, and then uh, with the school, uh, I think that is really putting a lot of effort on the chocolatier program. It's going to be a base. It's going to be a basic slash medium, and then a, a second one coming after, which is the advanced. And um, it's just going to be, I think, really, really exciting because. This program is not going to be just a program taught by Melissa Coppell. It's actually a program where I'm going to be inviting other chocolatiers uh, to be part of it. So I think it's going to be super, super exciting and unique because um, it's going to be a program taught by really the best professionals out there. Um, Mm -hmm. Really 
bringing the level of chocolate to a different, uh, I think that in pastry, you find a lot of information, a lot of books, a lot of professionals, a lot of, you know, uh, in chocolate, no. So my goal is to have the best chocolate school in the world. That's really what I want. That's amazing. And in six years, you've already come so far and I'm excited to see where this goes. So thank you again so much for coming on to Water and Food. Uh, I'm so happy that we were able to finally coordinate this and, and get you on the show. And we may even have to have you back at, at some point to get an update on your school and, and see where things are at. So thank you, Melissa. We, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much, Zachary. It was a pl pleasure. It was all mine. And I'm very happy that you liked uh, uh, the bonbons, enjoyed them, and really cannot wait to be back. Thank you, Melissa. We'll see you. <laughs> Bye. I'm Zachary Cartwright. This is Water and Food. Find this podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.